Hello, everyone. This is Father Bill Nicholas, and this is Faith, Hope, and History. Greetings and welcome, everybody. It is Friday, December 10th, 2021. It was on this day in 1830 that the poet Emily Dickinson was born. On this day in 1898, the Spanish-American War came to an end with the signing of the Treaty of Paris, in which Spain turned over Puerto Rico, Guam, and the Philippines to the United States, and also relinquished control of Cuba. It was on this day in 1936 that British King Edward VIII abdicated the throne of England to marry Mrs. Wallace Simpson, leading to his younger brother, the Duke of York, to ascend to the throne as King George VI. And he was the father of the current Queen Elizabeth II. It was also on this day in 1941 that Germany and Italy declared war on the United States in support of Japan following the bombing of Pearl Harbor. So today is the 80th anniversary of Germany and Italy joining Japan in the Axis declared war on the United States, and the United States got deeper into the Second World War. But as I mentioned last week, I want to talk a little more about what's been going on in the Supreme Court, and especially since today the news is that the Supreme Court would let the Texas abortion law stand for now while the challenges continue to work their way through the, through the lower courts. And... As abortion is a very contentious issue, and has been for the better part of the last 50 years, ever since Roe versus Wade, people have been demonstrating for life, demonstrating for abortion, and many commentaries have been made regarding Roe versus Wade, and regarding the so-called right that many people claim to have uh, for abortion. But one comment over the last couple of weeks that struck me that I wanted to talk about this week is I recall reading about the court arguments last week and someone made the comment that the Supreme Court has no business making abortion illegal. And on the one hand, I have to agree, but not for the reasons people might think. Because if what the person says is true, and I believe it is, The Supreme Court has no business and does not have the power to make abortion illegal. And if that's the case, then neither does the Supreme Court have the power to make it legal. In fact, the Supreme Court has no power to make anything legal or illegal. Because, in fact, the Supreme Court is not a lawmaking body. And so much of what we hear on both sides of the issue, and in many cases on both sides of any controversial and divisive issue, is a growing lack of knowledge for how our government works and the provisions in the Constitution with regard to the federal government and how it serves we the people. We've seen in the last few decades, really, Many people treating the Supreme Court as a supreme authority 
in the United States, that there is no authority higher than the Supreme Court. And to a certain extent, that's true, but the Supreme Court does not stand alone in that position. The Supreme Court is the highest court of the land, yes, but the Supreme Court is not above the President or the Congress. It is not an authority above the President or the Congress of the United States. But rather, the Supreme Court is a co-equal branch. It has equal power to the President and the Congress. Now, each branch has different powers, and no one branch contains sole power or all the powers. But the Supreme Court has only one area of responsibility, and that is in the settling of disputes. And since an early case in our nation's history, Marbury versus Madison in 1803, it has the power of what it calls judicial review, the review of disputes and especially laws that are passed to review whether or not they are compatible with the Constitution of the United States or do they violate the principles that are spelled out in the founding document of our country. But the Supreme Court is not a supreme authority, but rather is the Supreme Court. It has no power to enforce its rulings. It doesn't have an army that is commanded by the president. It has no power to pass laws. That is the Congress. And if you notice, the Congress also is split into two houses that keep itself in check, which gives you an idea of where the founding fathers saw the greatest potential for tyranny in our country. And that'll be another issue but uh, for another podcast. But three co-equal branches of government to keep the other, each one to keep the other two in check. But the Congress itself is split into two parties to keep itself in check in addition to the other two branches. But the Supreme Court has no power to enforce its rulings. And it has happened in the past that the President of the United States and the Congress have either ignored or overruled the Supreme Court. For example, in the issue of Indian removal in the 1830s under the presidency of Andrew Jackson, the Supreme Court sided with the Indians of the southern states with regard to the Indian Removal Act. And it is said that President Andrew Jackson commented on the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, well, he has made his ruling, now let him enforce it. And Jackson simply ignored the Supreme Court that had no power to enforce its rulings. With regard to such uh, cases as the Dred Scott decision, in 1856, right before the, the Civil War, the Supreme Court declared that a black person had no rights that a white person was bound to respect. In other words, the Constitution is for everyone except black people. And Dred Scott was returned to his master, or at least he lost that case when it went to the Supreme Court. And during the Civil War, the Congress of the United States passed a law that overturned the Dred Scott decision. The Supreme Court had no power to dictate to Congress its own job. And eventually Congress, A, banned slavery, but also passed legislation that overturned the Supreme Court's decision. So it has happened in the past that the president and the Congress have either overturned or ignored the Supreme Court. 
That's what we call checks and balances. The Supreme Court does not have supreme authority. It's not a group of nine dictators who have their positions for life. The other two branches of government, the presidency and the Congress, keep the Supreme Court in check. Just as the president keeps the Supreme Court and the Congress in check, the Supreme Court keeps the presidency and the Congress in check, and Congress keeps the presidency and the Supreme Court in check. The Supreme Court is also something that is checked by the other branches of government. It is not the supreme authority. And in some cases, the court has overruled itself. Plessy versus Ferguson declared that separate but equal and segregation in the South was constitutional. That was in 1896, but in 1954... Brown versus Board of Education overturned the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court overturned itself. And that is what we're looking to in the current case with regard to the laws in Mississippi. If the Supreme Court upholds the Mississippi abortion law, it will have effectively overturned Roe versus Wade. And Roe versus Wade will go on the category of disgraceful and despicable Supreme Court decisions right up there with the Dred Scott decision and Plessy versus Ferguson. But one byproduct of treating the Supreme Court as the supreme authority is that we see a very lazy Congress has given the Supreme Court that supreme authority. Congress has shirked its responsibility as its legislative body in dealing with issues that are so controversial that it could threaten their re-election. For example, it won't legislate on matters of abortion, so it kicked it to the Supreme Court, allowed the Supreme Court to do it, and then on both sides of the aisle, on both sides of the issue, they simply washed their hands of it and said, well, we can't do anything about it because the Supreme Court has spoken, and that's baloney. Congress can override the Supreme Court and actually has tried on occasion, but look at the issue of slavery. Congress on occasion would try in some ways to address the issue of slavery, but in the end, even President Buchanan said that the Supreme Court is going to decide a case that will put the issue of slavery to rest, and then it decided the Dred Scott decision. And the rest of the government said, well, the Supreme Court has spoken, so therefore that's it. No. Just because the Supreme Court speaks does not mean that the other two branches of government should not have a say in this. Again, they are there to keep the Supreme Court in check, as the Supreme Court is there to keep the other branches in check, and each branch is there to keep check a check on the other two branches of government. But you look at the issue of abortion. They kick it to the Supreme Court where a bunch of lifelong justices have nothing to worry about in terms of re-election. And they did it with the issue of marriage. The legislature did not want to deal with the issue of marriage and same-sex issues, so they allowed it to be kicked to the Supreme Court. And once the court made the decision, ah, we don't have to do anything about it. We don't have to worry about making a decision that could threaten our re-election. Because the Supreme Court has spoken, and that is how our lazy legislature and our lazy executive branch have decided to hand over this supreme authority to the Supreme Court, when in fact it does not have that supreme authority. Someone once came to me and said, with regard to the question of abortion, well, if they're against abortion, why don't they just make a declaration declaring abortion illegal or unconstitutional? And I had to explain to them that that's not how it works with the Supreme Court. People have to bring a case and a dispute involving abortion or involving slavery or involving marriage to the court. And that is what they did with Dred Scott. And now 
Slavery is a part of the Constitution, specifically the 13th Amendment, which bans slavery in this country. And now we await the decision with regard to abortion and with the question of marriage. The Congress put the Protection of Marriage Act through the books during the presidency of Bill Clinton, but many would consider Augerville versus Hodges to have overturned the Congress in deciding a case in favor of same-sex marriage in this country. But the Congress could have easily responded to the Supreme Court with other legislation that dealt with the issue, but for some reason, the attitude is when the Supreme Court speaks, that's it. But that isn't it. And because we've given them that supreme authority, which is not a constitutional authority, we also have the mistaken notion that anything they speak about is sacrosanct. Once they insert themselves into something, then once they speak, that's it. But the Constitution, remember, also protects the integrity of the states. And there are some issues in which the Supreme Court has ruled where they had no authority to make a ruling. The best example of that from the first half of the 1800s is the issue of slavery. The Dred Scott decision should not have been addressed by the Supreme Court because slavery was not in the Constitution at the time. Now it is. The 13th Amendment, it's in the Constitution. The Supreme Court can rule on any issue that touches upon uh, uncompensated labor, also known as slavery. But two issues that are not spelled out or even addressed in the Constitution are the issues of abortion and the question of marriage. And the reason I bring that up is because in the original Bill of Rights, the very last amendment in the Bill of Rights, Amendment Number 10, states, the powers not delegated to the United States by the Constitution, nor prohibited by it to the states, are reserved to the states respectively or to the people. Now the important thing to remember here is, ours is not a constitution of implied powers. It's enumerated powers. It's delegated powers. If the government of the United States is to claim authority over anything or over any issue, it must have been delegated to it by the Constitution. It does not imply, well, the Constitution doesn't say anything, therefore we assume it has the power because the Constitution doesn't say it doesn't have the power. No. Here's what it says in Amendment 10. The power is not delegated, which means it has to be delegated for the federal government to be clear that this is the power it can exercise. But if the Constitution doesn't prohibit it to the states, so for the federal government, it has to delegate it. For the states, it has to not prohibit it. And that's what the Tenth Amendment states. The power is not delegated to the United States by the Constitution, nor prohibited by it to the states, are reserved to the states respectively or to the people. In other words, the federal government stays out of it. And nowhere in the Constitution is addressed the issue of abortion and the issue of marriage. Maybe they can deal with the issue of equal protection under law. Maybe they can deal with the issue of privacy, which, by the way, is also not in the Constitution. But the specific issues of abortion and marriage... The federal government is not delegated to address those issues, and the Supreme Court is not delegated to rule on those issues. Therefore, it is left to the states. Now, a few years ago, after the Supreme Court 
for lack of a better way of putting it, legalized, which they had no power to do, but legalized same-sex marriage. There was a woman in Kentucky named Kim Davis. She was one of the clerks in her county. And despite the Supreme Court's ruling, continued to refuse to issue marriage licenses to same-sex couples. She ended up in jail for a few days. She was celebrated by conservatives, berated by liberals. And the videotape they kept showing of her in her post is where she says it's against the law. And the ones insisting that she issue the marriage licenses said, well, whose law? And she said, God's law. She's a religious woman, a Christian woman, and she said that same-sex marriage is against God's law. To which they responded, well, where is his court? Where is his legislature? Where is his government position of power? God's government position of power. Now, on the one hand, people of faith might celebrate what Kim Davis said, that yes, she has a per- she's a person of faith, and she knows, as in the Constitution and the Declaration, that the rights we have come from God, not from government, and the government is there to protect our God-given rights, not our government-given rights, our God-given rights. So she does recognize, as does our Constitution and Declaration of Independence, that there is a higher authority than our Constitution. The Constitution is at the service of the people and agreed to by the people, but God is the ultimate authority. However, she would have done better making a different argument, not to say that this is against God's law, but to simply say, I do not issue marriage licenses because I do not recognize the Supreme Court's authority to rule on this issue. And she probably would have had a good number of attorneys ready to step forward and support her in that claim. Because since marriage is not in the Constitution, it is left up to the individual states, which at that time... Certain states had allowed for licenses to be given to same-sex couples. Other states had not. I'm not going to discuss the morality or anything like that. That's for another podcast. The issue here is the role and authority of the Supreme Court. Kim Davis would have been better to have said, I represent the government of Kentucky. And I, as an employee for the government of Kentucky, the state of Kentucky, do not recognize the Supreme Court's authority to rule on that issue. Now, given that, given that, what's to be expected if Roe versus Wade is overturned by the Supreme Court as a result of their upholding a Mississippi law? Some would say that the Supreme Court is making abortion illegal, and that is not true. All the Supreme Court will be doing is recognizing that as it is not spelled out in the Constitution... They, therefore, have no power to rule over it and are allowing the states to legislate it accordingly. It is allowing Mississippi to legislate abortion according to its rights, spelled out by the Tenth Amendment of the Constitution, which I will read it again, states, the powers not delegated to the United States by the Constitution, nor prohibited to it by the states, nor prohibited by it to the states, are reserved to the states respectively or to the people. And abortion is one of those powers not delegated to the United States and is not prohibited by it to the states. So the states have the right to ban or maintain the practice of abortion in each state. Now, where am I speaking from? I'm speaking from San Francisco here in the state of California. And alas, as a Catholic, I say alas. As a pro-life Catholic, I say alas. I am in a state that, no doubt, will become a hub of abortion services. In fact, just yesterday, the governor of California said, 
California will be a sanctuary state for all women who want to get an abortion. I may not be in favor of abortion, but I will say the governor, and especially the legislature of this state, has every right to do that. And if we want to see it banned in California, then we need to get off our keisters here in California and start pushing our legislatures or electing legislature that will ban abortion in California. That is, if the Mississippi law is maintained by the Supreme Court and Roe versus Wade is overturned. It will not end abortion. It will not ban abortion. If we are to see a complete ban of abortion universally throughout the United States, we are going to have to do what we did with the issue of slavery. We're going to have to put it in the Constitution by means of the process of amendment. The 13th Amendment made slavery illegal and abolished in the United States. It is only a constitutional amendment that will make abortion illegal and abolished in the United States. And to touch upon the other controversial issue of marriage, marriage will have to be spelled out in the Constitution if we are to see the issue of marriage uh, settled in a manner that is constitutional. But until it is, each state can decide how it will legislate on those issues. Marriage, and in the case of what has been in the uh, news recently with regard to the Mississippi law being challenged in the, in the Supreme Court, with the Texas law being challenged in the Supreme Court, if the Supreme Court upholds those laws, Roe versus Wade will be overturned, and it will simply kick it to the states. And my guess would be California, New York, Illinois, possibly Michigan, obviously the New England states, Massachusetts, Connecticut, Rhode Island, Delaware, Maryland. I'm probably leaving out a few, but there are some states that will no doubt be states that will continue to maintain abortion as legal in those states. And states such as Texas, Mississippi, Alabama, most of the southern states, perhaps Utah, and other states, again, I'm probably leaving out, may vote in their legislatures to severely limit or outright ban the practice of abortion. Will it be a pro-life victory if Roe versus Wade is overturned? The answer is yes. But it will only mean that the pro-life movement has to more closely concentrate itself now, state by state, because it will not be a universal ruling banning abortion outright. All it will be saying is, in accordance with the Tenth Amendment, abortion is not addressed directly in the Constitution, therefore the federal government, including the Supreme Court, has no authority to legislate or rule on it. It has to be left up to the states. And so that is the issue with regard to the Supreme Court. And we're hearing a lot of talk about the Supreme Court, what it can and can't do, wanting to pack the court to put more liberals, wanting to put the court in a more conservative angle. Much is because we have this attitude that the Supreme Court is the supreme authority in the United States. But it is not. It is a co-equal branch of government with the president and the Congress. The other two branches are there to keep the Supreme Court in check, just as each branch is there to keep the other two in check. 
But the Supreme Court is one of three co-equal branches. It's not the supreme authority, and it has no constitutional power to overstep its bounds constitutionally. So we'll see what happens in the weeks to come. But please, educate yourself with regard to our Constitution and how the federal government works. The reason why we see such things happening on all branches of government and in all levels of government is because people don't understand how the Founding Fathers set up the system of checks and balances in order to ensure our freedom and ensure liberty for individuals and the integrity of the states. One branch being too strong in the centralized federal government can lead to tyranny and dictatorship. But if we follow the Constitution as the Founding Fathers established it, we will not see that, and we have not seen that. Because even in areas in which the Supreme Court has ruled that the other two branches of government do not believe is right and just, those two branches are there to keep the Supreme Court in check. So, pray that we have a good outcome in the case that went before the Supreme Court last week with regard to the abortion law in Mississippi. But, as we are a pro-life Catholic people, and hopefully all who listen to this podcast are Catholic, and if you're not, that you are pro-life, that if we get that victory in the Supreme Court, it will only be the beginning, because there are going to be the certain states, California among them, in which we know abortion will continue to be an issue in those states. So those are my thoughts for this week in light of what's been going on. Thank you very much for listening, and with any luck, I'll talk to you again soon. 